up. Welcome to the One Up podcast in which we are celebrating Steam's 20th birthday. Happy birthday, Steam. But more importantly, we're also celebrating Ben's birthday. It's our Ben's birthday right now. Happy birthday, Ben. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) You young piece of shit. (laughs) Ben is practically the baby of the team at this point. Even though, actually, he's only, like, two years younger than me. <laughs> I'm no longer the youngest, though. I pass the mantle to you. I am the baby. Um, you are baby. So, yeah, I'm Bash. I am the host this month. And, of course, I am clearly joined by Ben. Hi. By Orange. Hello. And by Andy. What up, fuckers? <laughs> Andy, I don't know how you're going to insert music for the Steam's 20th birthday. I'm just going to play enjoy. birthday music or something in the background. <laughs> like, <laughs> streamers. Also, I got to think of something. So, before we get into all things Steam, we'll start with some how are we's and what have we been playing. Ben, I'm going to throw to you first, since you are birthday Ben. Yeah, I'm doing all right, because <laughs> it's my birthday, so that's pretty Yay. good. <laughs> what have I been playing? I got a VR headset recently, so Ooh. lots of VR games, but I'm not going to talk about any of them. You're going to show off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wrote it down. I started writing all these VR games. I was like, I kind of want to talk about this mobile game that I've had on my phone for ages that I've just got back into, which is called Democratic Socialism Simulator. Ooh, um, okay. Which is kind of like, is it, there's a game called Reigns where it's like Tinder, where you're like yeah. swiping left and right, oh, yeah. basically Reigns making decisions. so good. So it's like that, except for you're in the White House, basically. You've got to kind of, you know, see out a term or two terms as president while trying to make America as socialist as possible and bring down the carbon emissions as low as possible, while also trying to keep some of the more racist and military <laughs> people in line and all the banks as well. But it's really fun. You're just swiping left and right and kind of managing the voters for when the elections are coming up. I have gerrymandered a few districts just to get everyone to vote for me. Um, But yeah, you can, you can, the things that come up in the game, like Amazon workers are going on strike. So it's like, fuck it. We're going to socialize Amazon. Fuck you, Bezos. You can abolish Guantanamo, bring in like a 0.1% tax on the uber wealthy, get involved in Israel, Palestine, which I didn't see coming. That was quite, quite fun. (laughs) It is so fun to just kick back and play for like 20 minutes and trying to like make the world a better place while also appeasing some people you don't really like. So they'll vote for you. It's like a perfect break game, I'd say. So yeah, you should check that out on mobile. I think I have that on Steam, actually. Oh, there you go. It's also on Steam, which is... I might be lying. (laughs) (laughs) It might be on Steam. (laughs) Let me double check this because I don't want to be talking out my ass. Yeah, it's on Steam. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Good. Orange, how about you? How are you? And what have you been playing? I'm good. Yeah. No no complaints here. Had a holiday. Peachy's birthday last week. So yeah, everything's everything's nice. It's <laughs> a really weird way of saying it. Everything's nice. I got a couple of games I wanted to mention. So the first one I wanted to just... I'm not going to go too much into detail over it because... It's a podcast favourite, I believe, but I have just finished, for the first time, Night in the Woods. I streamed it, and I have just finished it literally, I think, a few days ago. (laughs) So, it's amazing. It was really good. I loved it. 
I don't think there's much I can say about it that hasn't already been said, but I think the thing I like the most about it was I love the art style of it, but then the fact that all of the characters are so real and so deep and really well written. I had a similar feeling when I played Bug Snacks earlier this year. It's something you don't quite expect going into it from the look of it, and then when it hits you, it's just like, wow, this is very real. And yeah, I loved it. It was fantastic. If you haven't played it, listeners, you should. It is an experience worth having. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's nothing more for me to add to that. You know, you know, anyone who's listened to podcast knows how much that game means to me. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I'm so glad you liked it. I know that it is not everybody's specific cup of tea, but I mm. do think it is a proper. I think it's one of the proper true indie gems. Yeah, like one of those that it gets bandied about a lot, and there's a reason it gets recommended. It's a terrific experience. Really good experience. And then the last game I have to talk about is one that I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast for ages because I was so excited to play it and that's On Guard and bloody hell, I loved it. I played it in one stream because I didn't want to stop. I got in trouble because I went over my designated stream time, but I I had to. It was so (laughs) good. It's, ah, it's so much fun. So it's... It's a swashbuckling game. It's, oh, I think it's set in, supposed to be set in like 17th century Spain, I believe. Yeah. You play as, oh, I never get her name right. I'm not going to say her full name because I tripped over it several times on stream because she says it with a great accent and I was just like, this does not work in English. But her name is like Adelia? Adelia? Adalia. That's it. I remembered now. She's a swashbuckler running through the streets. There's an evil, I think he's the Count Duke, Duke Count one way one way around he's like terrorizing uh the city that she lives in and she's supposed to be like a vigilante so she's not really on the side of the law but she's doing like your robin hood style justicing it felt like the mask of zorro or mark of zorro whichever one you watch it feels like you're in that kind of a movie like a three musketeers style you know it's it's dramatic but it's not really very serious it's very light-hearted it feels just very fun the peril is very like campy and silly but it was great it was just really good fun the gameplay is really tight it's actually quite challenging there's lots of different maneuvers you can do you can kick enemies off of things and into the water which is hilarious they all have little quips and i think one of the really fun things about it which it took me a while to actually notice she never actually kills anyone um so you know foxy would love it because it's closer to minority report than that game (laughs) but um bum um (laughs) she never actually kills anyone she just knocks them out sort of thing but they lie on the floor and then they just make little quips whilst you're like still walking around the area just being like things like oh has she gone yet oh, please don't tell my mum this happened. You know, it's like they make silly little comments and things about the fact that they got beaten. And I think it would be wrong of me to not mention the fact that another big part of this game is that the main character is a queer character, but it's done in a way which is very three-dimensional. And it's something that people don't do enough in all media, not just games. So she doesn't walk around being like, I'm queer and I'm being very queer about everything. She just acts like a normal protagonist, like a normal person. But then she flirts with another female character and it becomes very apparent that they've clearly had history. But it's like whilst you're doing this complicated duel with this other pirate lady and they're just like making little sassy quips in the background like you would in like any normal situation. So I really like the way they just kind of stitched it in 
and made it like it's just a small part of her character without it this is all she is she is just a queer character yay queer representation and it's like no she's a three-dimensional character and this is just a small part of her character it's not what defines her but it's nice that it's there sort of thing but yeah it was a really great game i had a really good time with it i recommend people checking it out it was just a really good fun time really silly really funny i i loved it i'm doing a thumbs up <laughs> we love a thumbs up review for sure and andy how about you i'm doing pretty good very tired but that's just my general life as a 40-year-old father. Aww. I've been playing playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3 with Caroline, but I made zero notes on that because I thought Becky was going to be on this episode and she, I think <laughs> she'd be talking about that. So I've decided I'll just leave all of my thoughts for when we do the Game of the Year episode because the very high percentage that's going to be on that episode. So I am actually going to talk about Starfield instead. Ooh. I, I bloody love Starfield, but... Unless it pulls something massive out of the bag in the later stages, it's probably not going to be in my Game of the Year shortlist, so this seems like a good time. And more importantly, I actually made notes for it. <laughs> it is basically Skyrim in space. There's no way around that. If you like Skyrim and you like space operas like Mass Effect and so on, you are probably going to like this. There's some superb side quests, lots of cool factions for you to join. Much like most Bethesda games, the main story is good. It's functional. It's there, but it's this kind of like the spine to hold everything else together. So I spend a lot of my time just doing other stuff than the main story. And just like Skyrim, that does the trick. But the main thing I'm I'm so happy about with Starfield is is it's still got all those classic Bethesda bullshit bugs in them. <laughs> just, <laughs> just stumbling at something really stupid and funny. And not like frust- I've had a couple of crashes, like outright, that are frustrating, but when you get a really stupid bug or something's gone horribly wrong because everything's being handled in real time, it's very, very funny. The one that I remember recently was I was running ahead, I think it was on Mars, and I was running ahead to get to an NPC to get some key information on finding a missing scientist. Hmm. And my companion was like running behind me, but they were they weren't expecting me to bolt off down the corridor. So they were a bit there was a bit of a delay between them getting to me. And I triggered the dialogue scene with this NPC. But my my companion hadn't made it into the room completely. But the dialogue scene takes place in engine. So wherever my companion stood, their their dialogue contributions <laughs> are being done from that position. So I was doing this, I was trying to get information out of this bureaucrat and every now and then it'd cut to my companion and she'd be stood behind a lamp, just talking, <laughs> lamp just in front of her. Sometimes she'd peer around the lamp. I was like, you okay there? You appeared to be a bit stuck. Oh I was just cracking up the entire time. I couldn't take the, the quest seriously just because of this. And I was like, oh, okay. That's just one of the big keys for a Bethesda game for me. Like, It's the immersive gripping side quests, but... It's also got to have really stupid shit in it to make it magic for me. <laughs> so far, Starfield is delivering on all fronts. Starfield is one of those games where I've seen all the hype around it. And I even at one point sort of semi-blurted it out to my partner. And I was like, I think I want to play Starfield. He was like, that was very out of nowhere. <laughs> like, because we weren't discussing Starfield at the time <laughs> or indeed games. So hearing your review is making me a bit more tempted, but also I am aware at the moment that I have several like, well, Sasha would usually have dismissed in the past big games yeah. at the moment. And I don't need more big games on my list. Mm. Yeah. I've been tempted by Starfield, but 
I know that Spider-Man 2 is right around the corner and I know that yeah. that's mm. what I'm going to want to play. So I'm like, mm. <laughs> I don't want to get into Starfield when I know that I probably won't be able to finish it before Spider-Man 2. So I'm like, no. In terms of what I've been playing, so I can actually talk a little bit about Baldur's Gate 3 because I have Ooh. indeed been playing Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, what happened was I started playing it and then I became fully obsessed by it. Like many people, I'm playing a druid. One of the things I learned quite early on is if you are wild shaped into the bear, um, you can actually go and lay down on a bed in a house and it's super cute. <laughs> the bear like flops on the bed. Aww. With I've its head like now. leaned over the edge of the bed, <laughs> and I'm like, I love this. <laughs> this game is like 10 out of 10, best game. Right, writing it down, gonna play as a druid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always play as a druid in D&D as a general rule. Force of habit, my first character in Baldur's Gate was obviously gonna be my most beloved class. And I have zero regrets. It is <laughs> excellent. I love being a bear or a giant spider. I love resolving things in the weirdest ways. I think it has done an incredible job of capturing the energy <laughs> of Dungeons and Dragons. As someone who at present is currently playing in three campaigns and DMing a fourth. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It truly does capture the chaos of real D&D. That said, I got so close to finishing the end of Act 1 and then my beloved Final Fantasy XIV celebrated its 10-year anniversary, <laughs> including an in-game event that has meant that all of my energy <laughs> got switched over to a game I've barely been playing until like the last two weeks or something like well. I'd really it's in a, it's in a proper down pit downtime at the moment which of course anyone who's ever listened to Yoshi P talk he strongly encourages people actually to you know stop playing Final Fantasy like seriously there are other games out there go play them <laughs> and I can't help but wonder if Final Fantasy 16 was released intentionally between major patches quite possible <laughs> like here you go let's you know <laughs> play a different Final Fantasy for yeah. a while but yeah, no, so then I've just been back fully into grinding on that game. The only other game that I have played that's not fodder for the indie showcase um, <laughs> has been, and it's so specifically relevant for this podcast, has been Portal 2. Hey, finally, nice. hey. for the first time. Except I got really bad motion sickness. No. <laughs> like, I don't really play FPS games, mm. like at all. Not my not my vibe, not my genre. And so I was playing it with my partner, you know, like we were multiplayering it mm. and like he's played it before. So he was like, oh, look, I can show you all the ropes I can teach you about. And it was really fun. And I'm sat there and I'm like, I feel really sick. <laughs> and then I was like getting really hot and I was getting a headache and I was feeling dizzy. And then Liam was like, are you getting FPS motion sickness? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So we might try it again at an undetermined future point. But of course, my partner plays Final Fantasy a lot with me. So again, the 10 year anniversary, yada, yada. We've both been a bit preoccupied, let's just say. <laughs> but yeah, like it feels really fun. And I was really enjoying being sassed by GLaDOS already. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, my mileage for it was really low. It turns out like I was sat there and I was just feeling worse and worse. And then I realized, I was like, oh, I'm just feeling really motion sick. And then I Googled it and it turns out that's an actual thing. Mm, I like, that is a legitimate thing that people suffer with, especially with game, like a game like Portal that's yeah. already quite disorienting. Mm. But yeah, I'd like fallen at one point and the, the falling graphic like just really made me mm. go a bit 
Yeah. So, so there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever played the first one? I've not played any of them. Like, I've not played Half-Lives or Portals. I wonder if the first portal would be a bit gentler. It's a lot more chill. Is, yeah, it's a lot more chill. There's less, like, throwing yeah. yourself around, isn't there? Especially in the beginning, because it really, like, eases you into the mechanics of the game. So it kind of gets you used to it. You, Possibly. You would have to play alone, but... I wouldn't push you to do it if you got motion sick. No, no. Two, that's just, the risk is still there. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I am not completely... You know, deterred. I am. I. I am stubborn. If nothing else, so I'm sure I'll give it another go. Yeah. So no one's allowed to be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> As it stands, <laughs> Portal Two got a big fat <laughs> from me. So <laughs> any game that's going to make me physically ill is bad, actually. Mm. So that's fair. I feel. I feel that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I've forgotten the word for segue. Segue. <laughs> <laughs> That stays in. That stays That's in. That's a great segue. <laughs> yeah. That's the segue. <laughs> it has indeed been 20 years since Steam launched. And for those of us who find it hard to believe we're even in our 30s, that's quite hard to hear. (laughs) But a little history, so to speak. And I am not even going to remotely pretend that I ended up having to do too much research here as Steam very kindly (laughs) released a, like, retrospective that was very to the point and essentially forms my notes. (laughs) So thank you, Steam. (laughs) It all started in 2002. And if you sat going, hang on, that's not 20 years ago. Well, yeah, things don't just pop out of thin air. In 2002, Steam was first announced at the developers conference, game developers conference, which sounds really cool. Not. I feel like that sounds like the driest of all of the games conferences, <laughs> like game developers conference. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so yeah, it was in 2002 that Steam was announced and it would be launched a year later. Its primary mission at the time to more easily deliver Valve game updates. I find that really interesting when you compare it to what it has become. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) A year later, in 2004, well, it wasn't so much a year later, it was more like six months later, so I believe it was November 2000... September 2003. Where in September? Good grief. (laughs) (laughs) It was in March of 2004 that Counter-Strike Condition Zero was the first game launched on Steam and Half-Life 2 was launched in November of the same year. I've not played either of these games, I know very little about them, but I do understand the impact of the Counter-Strike series Mm -hmm. and indeed the Half-Life games. As someone who never had an Xbox or a PC growing up for gaming, I heard a lot about Half-Life and how I was garbage for having not played them. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know. And then there's a real fun bit of Steam history built in between 2004 and 2005 because it was technically in 2004 the first ever third-party game released on Steam that was called Codename Gordon. However, it was delisted fairly quickly. So some consider 2005's Ragdoll Kung Fu (laughs) to be the first third-party game that was distributed on Steam. If Steam themselves decided to include both to let the reader decide... We will also include both and let the listener decide which is the real first one. But Ragdoll Kung Fu is still on Steam. I want it to be that one just because of the name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like just on the name alone, I'm like, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> Might be terrible, but yes. 
Sometimes I find it really hard to contextualize. Like games in the early 2000s, they don't look great. No. <laughs> and the PC we had would not have played them happily. No. <laughs> it it struggled with The Sims 2 <laughs> and Theme Park World. <laughs> so the idea that people were playing like proper games, you know, that needed like FPSs, um, frame rates and stuff. Oh, <laughs> weird to me. Not much of note then happened for a couple of years. Although in 2007, the orange box was launched, which, fun fact, I only just bought for £1.37 in the sale, in the 20 year Steam sale. That was Portal, Team Fortress (laughs) 2 and Half-Life 2. And yet, I don't know if this will be true when this episode goes out, but it has just been on the most massive of sales, has the orange box. Mm. So again, I'm showing willing, I might play these games, (laughs) you know if they don't make me feel ill again. In 2008, Steamworks was introduced. That was a set of tools and services for developers and publishers to build their games and get the most out of distributing on Steam. Steam Cloud also arrived in 2008, which again, my mind boggles a little bit at the idea of cloud saves Mm. and things being available since like 2008, 15 years ago. (laughs) I don't know why my brain does not... like. I still think of cloud saving as a relatively new thing. Yeah, same. It's like it's only like five years ago or something. Yeah. (laughs) When in reality, it's actually on Steam anyway. It's been around since 2008. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I I feel like I probably sound like one of my grandparents. <laughs> Back in my day. Right now. Back in my day. Uh, it was in 2010 that Steam added macOS support and Linux support. So, you know, even those weirdos could play games on Steam. <laughs> Steam Wallet was also introduced in 2010. A thing that I was recently forced to use for my Final Fantasy subscription because the Final Fantasy wasn't allowing debit card payments for some reason. But there you go. I've recently used that for the very first time. Mm. <laughs> Aforementioned Portal 2 came out in 2011. Woo! The same year that they added screenshots capability within the actual UI. Bloody love an F12 as a Final Fantasy MMO gamer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I... Do not want to admit how many screenshots there are in my screenshots folder. <laughs> and Steam Workshop was also released in 2011, which was a feature I didn't even know existed. But that is a place for player-created content, read, mods, and tools to download that content into games, which I actually think is pretty cool. Steam's like, yeah, we don't care if you mod stuff. The actual developers might, but you, <laughs> you have at it. Oh, yeah. I suppose as long as they're getting what they need from it, who cares? Uh, 2012, another of like several features came out in 2012, but big picture mode was one that I didn't know about also, and that's a way to pair your PC with a TV and a controller. That's not quite the streaming that would come a bit later down the line, and something that I actually keep meaning to try out, because sometimes, because I work from home, I get sick of sitting at my desk for like eight, ten hours working, and then the thought of playing a computer game also for another four, five, six hours. It's just not what I want to do. I'd rather sit on my comfy settee upstairs. But yeah, there are all kinds of developments happening again through the next few years. One that I really enjoy that came out in 2014 is Discovery Update. That includes the Discovery queue. Mm. But it was in 2014, they did quite a big overhaul about how they 
make it easier for players to connect with games and vice versa. So a lot of what you will see on like your star featured homepage, a lot of that came around in 2014. 2015, very controversial feature, Steam refunds came in. Uh, Streamlining the way players request refunds, not just for games, but for in-game items. The reason I say controversial, if you've listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me and Andy whinge about it. Because it is based on time played and basically nothing else you can request a refund on anything that you've played for less than two hours and there are several indie games that genuinely just take less than two hours to play Mm -hmm. and it is a gross practice and people shouldn't do it it should be to jail for people that do it frankly (laughs) you should be not allowed on steam anymore (laughs) if you request refunds on games because oh i finished it in less than an hour so like those are the games that people probably made as one person in a bedroom just let them have their money if you enjoyed it. Who cares? Anyway, I'll stop whinging about that now. <laughs> and I don't want to set Andy off either. Yeah. I, I was really close. <laughs> so, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've, I've said my piece. 2016 was a big year in VR. I don't give a shit about VR, so we're going to move swiftly on again. <laughs> I was like, hey! <laughs> Even he yeah. didn't want to talk about I'm VR. I'm sorry, but like, I feel like given that I'm getting motion sickness just from... First person shooter, first person perspective games. I don't think VR's gonna be for me. <laughs> so, but if that's your jam, I fully support you being into that. But you know what? Read about that on your own time. <laughs> um, <laughs> 2017 came Steam Direct, um, not Steam Direct or any of the like stuff that has been called Steam Direct in the past, which was more about sales and things like that. But like the feature Steam Direct, it replaced Steam Greenlight. And that was a way for developers to launch their games on Steam directly. And there's some genuinely really interesting stats. When they introduced this, it went from in 2017, they went from having like two and a half thousand games released in 2015 to 6.3 thousand games released in 2017 to 8,000 games released in 2018. Like the sharp increase when they improved Steam Direct. And just out of interest, last year there was 10,963 games released on Steam in 2022. And to date in 2023, it's at like 9,000 and something. So 2023 is probably going to see even more games released. But that is wild when you think in 2004, there were seven games <laughs> released on Steam yeah. in that year to get to over 10,000 games being released. And a huge part of that has been Steam Direct. So Steam Direct, for if you're not entirely sure what that is and what how it's different, it was basically developers no longer have to do, like, there's no input from Steam, really. So I think before that, Steam were checking and sense checking games. That probably means there's been a lot more variance in quality, I imagine. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In yes. the games that are that are hitting the platform. But, you know, the flip side of that has meant it is much easier for games to release on Steam. Mm. You see a lot more crowdfunded games, for instance, now because there's just less hoops for them to jump through yep. to get games to players. So it's mostly a good thing, even if there is some absolute dross on the platform. <laughs> just, just like the worst absolute <laughs> dreck. <laughs> 2019 brought remote play together Yay. that allows folks to share local multiplayer games in with friends over the internet for free mm-hmm. i know they can't have possibly known about the impending pandemic but <laughs> maybe they did what a time to have developed such a feature and the very first steam next fest Yay. happened in 2019 those of course now happen three times a year initially though it was steam game festival 
and it was co-hosted with Jeff Keighley. And we're kind of getting to where we're at now, really. So in 2021, they launched Steam China. It was the first major effort for Steam to actually get a foothold in Asia, especially East Asia. Mm-hmm. It is primarily a US and, and Western Europe platform prior to that and, and western asia but it's very it is definitely a very western platform mm. and in 2022 saw the introduction of steam replay the end of year custom look back at mm. the year on steam i think probably very heavily inspired by spotify yep. that's been doing it for years a playstation started doing it as well yep. and possibly even more more bigger that is a terrible phrasing but um they launched steam deck woo which Yay. I know, Andy, you are extremely fond of. It's um, the best invention, possibly <laughs> ever. Possibly ever. There you go. Mine's on its way. Woohoo! Ugh. <laughs> but yeah, anyone I know that has one, they all absolutely love them. And I can massively see the appeal having your Steam library available in a handheld gaming device that's, you know, it's just like a tiny, powerful PC. I think that's... Yeah, I'm really jealous, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> And as of this year, there are now more than 11,000 titles verified as playable on Steam Deck as well. Obviously, this year hasn't finished, so hard to say where it's going to go. Some of the top games released this year on Steam have included Baldur's Gate 3, which we've mentioned, Starfield, which we've mentioned, and Dredge, which has come up on previous podcass. Yeah. I believe. Was it Was it as we talked about Dredge? I've definitely mentioned Dredge once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I reviewed it for the website. Yes. And I'm playing it next month for Spooktober. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> Last couple of things that I just want to talk about when we're thinking about the impact of Steam. There are, or there were, 125 million active accounts on Steam by the end of 2015. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That has obviously gone up significantly during the pandemic. Uh, Steam yeah. saw a concurrent play account of over 23 million. Wow and cyberpunk 2077 broke the figure again in january 2021 when over 25 million users shortly after the release were on steam presumably trying to download it (laughs) it was also the first single player game on the service to have over a million concurrent users so for a prize i wanted to know what would be your guesses for what do you think are the games that have had the most concurrent users now bear in mind there's only five games on the platform including cyberpunk that have ever had more than a million concurrent players oh hmm. anyone wants to take it take a guess PUBG. <laughs> i mean you got it in one orange <laughs> <laughs> PUBG is holds the record significantly yeah. by the way <laughs> 3.2 million concurrent players is the record <laughs> on that Damn. coming in second is counter-strike yeah. Yeah, offensive uh, with 1.8 million so it's like not even close really <laughs> third most played game is lost ark in case anyone was curious and the fourth uh, being dota 2 uh, and then the fifth of course being cyberpunk 2077 mm. one i did want to call out because i just think it's really funny is goose goose duck it's 10th oh. <laughs> holds 10th for the concurrent player record and if you're wondering why it was a k-pop star a name that I don't particularly recognise, but he is known as V of BTS, streamed himself playing the game, and it has since exploded oh on God. Steam. Oh my of course. <laughs> Even overwhelming the indie developer's servers. Oh no! <laughs> the power of K-pop. Even today, 
the player base is substantial with tens of thousands of people logging in every day. And I knew nothing about Goose Goose Duck until I was doing some research for this episode. And then I was like, what is it? And it sounds a bit like Among Us, but yeah. it looks just like with Among ducks. Us. This list I have, by the way, was updated yesterday, in fact. So oh. another fun fact is that Baldur's Gate is <laughs> on the list. It's number nine. It's crept Baldur's on. Baldur's Gate 3. Of course it has. It- <laughs> so yeah, Steam is pretty heckin' influential. <laughs> If nothing else, to give myself a break, please. <laughs> Anyone want to talk about either their most liked features or their least liked features of the platform? The wish list, but more specifically, being able to see your friends' wish list. Mm. It's, been, it's, it's very hem- helpful if you just want to be nice to your friend or something, or it's their birthday. Yeah. It's just being able to give them something you know that they want. Just be able to see everything, all the games. It's it's really useful, and I don't know why any other like major digital platform doesn't do this. Mm, that's true. It's been such a goddamn blessing from above. Sometimes you're like, mm. ah, my friend's having a bit of a shit day. I'll buy him a game. And like, boom. The magic of getting a, like, a free game can just like lift someone's spirit a little bit. Definitely as for me, so I know that. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that's super useful, especially if you're doing like multiplayer games as well, because you mm. can be like, oh, I... Sometimes games do that thing where you can buy like a pack of four in a sale if they know it's like a four player multiplayer and it's cheaper. So I've done that before and it comes up on the side even when you're buying it on the sidebar saying that it's on these people's wish lists. And I'd be like, cool, well then, I'm just going to sprinkle the game in love and just throw a couple copies out. And they'll be like, oh, surprise. And I'm like, yes, now you have to play with me. Now. No, no nose for an answer. Yeah, I think echoing what like kind of what Andy said, like I like how easy it is to gift games to people as well. Mm. And it's like, I don't know, like I feel like it's encouraged a little bit as well. I don't know, like I just, I like how you can just, you know, pick a game, you buy it and you can just easily just give it to someone. Like I know this week I've had to, I bought a game for my sister's birthday and the, the fucking effort I had to go through to try and just get it on her PlayStation account. Mm such a faff whereas on steam it's just like oh i'm just gonna buy this game you know and just send it to a friend like andy said if they're having a bad day or maybe you send them a really bad game you know because they're having a good day and you're <laughs> and say, oh, don't, don't be <laughs> yeah. that person don't be the bad game person i'm sorry i yeah. I, I love the idea of revenge buying no yeah, I, you would, yeah. <laughs> I have a friend who does that you'll just get a bad game appear in your and it'll be like surprise or something it's like no yeah, I reject think hate this. <laughs> <laughs> don't want it i think i wanted to say um i really like even though it still needs work to make it the best thing it could be i was really pleased when they brought in the remote play function i think it's really nice to kind of make it so that you can play a multiplayer game with people and they don't all have to own it because you know some people earn more money than others and sometimes you can be like i'm gonna buy this game but your friends may not be quite so "Mm, i can't really afford it right now or you know i don't know if i'll get much use out of it so it's nice to be able to buy a game and then just say hey hey we can remote play this it is clunky and sometimes it doesn't really work very well but I know, especially in 2020, it was a really nice feature that me and my friends used a lot. Um, We played things like Overcooked and uh, Moving Out and Heave Ho, 
all by just one of us owning the game and then playing it remote play together. It was just, yeah, it's a really good feature. I, you can have a couch co-op while everyone's online and it's, it's, use, it's good. It's useful, but they could tweak it a little bit. <laughs> that is really nice. And that actually reminds me of one of the features I like. So a thing I learned about PlayStation, some, when my son started playing PlayStation games, was either I had to be logged into the PlayStation as a primary console or I had to buy him a game on his account mm. rather than I already own the game and I'm his parent so I should be allowed to share the games with him because he doesn't have his own money. So, <laughs> And also, why should I have to buy Minecraft twice <laughs> or whatever? <laughs> Even though the first time I bought it was for him but then he eventually wanted his own profile on PlayStation so he could get his own trophies and stuff and that's fine. Steam has a really robust and great family sharing system. Mm. So as long as like you're friends with the person, you can just do family sharing and add accounts that you want to add to your family sharing. Like they say they check like IP addresses and stuff like that. So it's not something to take the piss out of. But when Little Reb wanted to play The Sims, and at the time this was before The Sims was free, uh, The Sims 4 Mm. that is, before that had become free, and I was going to download it onto his laptop. But you know when you're like, oh, I don't want to, I'm not paying for The Sims again. Mm. <laughs> and family sharing was great for stuff like that. And then just being able to look through my account because, you know, I play a lot of indie games and a lot of indie games are really wholesome. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's probably stuff on here that he can play as well. Yeah. I'm sure when he gets older and gets more interested in PC gaming, like there'll be more stuff I'll be able to share with him. But like, it's really easy to even set like the maturity ratings and things that it's like- I did not know you. You can even individually select which games you want to share at all if you wanted to go that far. Um, I guess for people that have absolutely gargantuan libraries, cough, cough, orange, (laughs) um, you know, you might not want to just do a go, be free, find what you want to play (laughs) type situation. Presumably that measures like household. So could you share it with your partner? Yeah, it's family sharing, so... Ooh! Oh, yeah, I, I I've think done it with my old would roommate. get a real kick out of that. <laughs> it's like... It seems to be more based on household than it does on, like, you know, do their family names match? Because, like, mine and my sons don't match, for instance. Oh, that's so, good. So, you know, so... And just the only other one that I absolutely adore for discoverability of games, and Orange, I'm sure you'll appreciate as a big indie gamer... Mm-hmm. It's really good for the more games you play, the more curated your feeds Mm. will become. Mm. Discovery queue is absolutely one of my favourite. Like, if I'm waiting for something to download, if I'm just sat faffing or whatever, occasionally I'm like, yes, I'm going to hit on a discovery queue and have a look and it'll produce anywhere between 8 and 13 games that it thinks you might like. Sometimes they're just presented because they're super popular, but you can also add tags to, like, not show. So I have blocked... What are the Fortnite? What are they called though? Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Yes. I don't have Battle, ba- Battle Royales. Do not come up on my <laughs> suggestions ever. <laughs> and sports games. The amount of times it'd be like, because this is really popular. Do you maybe want to play FIFA? And I'm like, I've never wanted to play FIFA in my life. So. Not now. Not not tomorrow. No. <laughs> and I'm finding the more I mess with that, the more curated it gets. And I really like that as well. I have genuinely found random games that I would never have known about were it not for Discovery Q. Mm-hmm. I think another feature you've just reminded me of that I should mention as well that I do use um, for one reason in particular, which I don't know if I want to share, but I guess I am now, is you can follow people and you see like their, like are they called curators? And then you can see their um, reviews and things. So 
you can follow I don't know I think there are probably YouTubers you can probably follow them as a curator so if there's games they want to talk about or they flag it comes up on your page as well and I found someone who focuses purely on does this game have girls love in it and they just tell you if it does or not <laughs> I was just like that's really helpful for me because now I can filter through uh, if I want some nice visual novels I can just filter out all the ones that are um, subtexty because those ones we don't want they're rubbish <laughs> queer betas get out so it's useful for things like that but obviously don't use it for how i use it use it properly um but <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there's no proper way to do it i follow wholesome games They're yeah i follow them too on yeah. there i also follow one that is actually specifically like games under an hour or like short games oh that's a I good one it's called anymore <laughs> but i follow one that's literally exclusively about because you know, a lot of my PC time is spent on Final Fantasy and sometimes I just need quick break games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anything we don't like. I think there is one I can think of, but it's not necessarily, I don't, like, it's not a deal breaker, obviously. I find it funny more than anything else. And that's, it's the, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like at the side bar again, when you're looking at a game page and it tells you this game is similar to things you have played because it's looking at tags. And some of those similarities are just are quite comical to be honest bear with me here okay sometimes me and my friends like to look at what some of the weirder games are on steam for a laugh and we always end up finding some weird hentai games okay because they're there and i remember mm-hmm, i don't know which mm-hmm. <laughs> you can check my library you won't find any okay <laughs> I was on one of those to be fair on that one I can't say the same so good on you mate (laughs) they are funny to look at sometimes I was on one of those and I'm pretty sure on the side it said similar to games you have played Cuphead and I was like I don't think it is (laughs) I think really no (laughs) and unless this is a really difficult hentai game nope I do not agree <laughs> so I think it doesn't quite line up sometimes sometimes it does but sometimes it's just like no that's not similar you're just trying to get me to buy it because you're like look it's like this game it's like it's, it's not it's really not <laughs> try again Steam <laughs> I guess that's because so much of Steam at this point especially is based on users and user curation to a degree yeah. and and it's, it's sometimes it's just like wild lands out there <laughs> It's the wild west of video games. I mean, it kind of is, though, isn't it? It is like, a bit. <laughs> Anything goes on Steam. That's the thing, yeah. I, the only thing I've wrote for things I don't like, because I don't use Steam that much, is big picture mode. But I heard you say before what it's actually meant to be used for. And that makes sense <laughs> for putting Steam on your TV. I just get into big picture <laughs> mode by accident. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> How do I get out of this? Yeah, I used to do that on my old laptop, yeah. Constantly Ugh. in big picture mode. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, I look away for a second. I'm like, what is this? How am I... St- I'm stuck in this window. Like, how do I get out? Like, what is... I didn't realize <laughs> Steam was open. And I just panic. But now I know it's got an actual feature. It's probably... It's not really something I don't like that much. I just... It scares me. So, Orange, I'm going to come to you first. What are your Steam stats? Oh, no. Give us them. <laughs> <laughs> well, my account is huge. Okay, so a fun fact. In fact, oh my god, I just realised from the date of today. So yesterday, the seventeenth of September. I am now telling you when we're recording. Twenty thirteen is when I made my first ever Steam purchases. So 
my account is officially wow. 10 years old as of yesterday. There you go. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy, happy birthday, happy, my Happy account. Steam birthday for yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been around for half of Steam's life cycle. That's crazy. The first games I ever bought, I bought a trifecta of games in my first purchase. I bought Amnesia the Dark Descent and hmm. Psychonauts and The Witcher 1 Enhanced Edition. And I can tell you... What a, what a collection. <laughs> what a mishmash, because that's exactly how my tastes tend to work. Um, I have not played Amnesia to this day. <laughs> um, <laughs> I played The Witcher for 30 minutes, apparently. <laughs> I think this was back when I first started PC gaming. So I was mm. not used to WASD in any way, shape or form. And I'm pretty sure I made Geralt like walk off some sort of wall several times. Lost a fight and got really frustrated. <laughs> but Psychonauts I played for about seven hours because I've tried to beat it twice and I've never managed it. Not because I don't like it. I think I just got distracted by something else because I think I was being a bit too collecty with it. So I probably distracted myself from the story too much. But I will finish it one day because I really want to play the second one because apparently that one's really good. <coughs> really good. So those are the games... Has Jack Black as a voice actor on it as well, doesn't what, it? What, the second one yeah. or the first one? Psychonauts 2, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I didn't hear him. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's how my journey on Steam began. And then my latest game purchases that I've made, I'm ignoring the humble one that I just <coughs> made yesterday because I haven't even added that stuff yet. On the 6th of September this year, I bought the Trine quadruplet of games. Uh, so not the latest one, nice. but it's Trines 1 to 4. Because they look like games that I would actually really like. And it wasn't until somebody mentioned to me if I'd played the fifth one that I was just like, I don't even know what these games are. I remember seeing the logo before, but I've never actually looked at them. And then I did and I was like, they're like puzzle platformy games. Why don't I have those? And they were on sale because the new ones just come out. So I went and bought them. I think it was like £13 for like all four. And I was like, I'm doing that. There, I've gone from a mishmash of games to Trine, apparently. And the, 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 <laughs> the one you all want to know is how big is my Steam library. Yep. As of now, before I've added these new Humble games, I have 716 games on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I did the math. Oh my god! And I think I've only actually played about 150 of them. <laughs> That's the way oh, it is. Only, though. only. <laughs> my wish list Good is 312. Grief. My gosh! I'm clicking on it now. Yeah. Oh, that was bang on. There you go. My wish list is 312. Nice. Help me. <laughs> just uh, just for, as part of all of that, then what is your most played game? Ah, my most played game will probably surprise everybody here because I've never talked about it with you guys. Uh, my most played game is Age of Empires 2. Oh, 330 hours. <laughs> baby numbers. And I can explain. <laughs> I've played like 150 games. Listen. <laughs> no, I know. I'm, I'm messing. <laughs> the reason I know that Age of Empires is the highest played game is because I got it quite early on when I joined Steam. And it's the first game, I think that my friends were like, we can play multiplayer this game. And I don't, I didn't even buy it. It was bought for me. And they were like, come play with us. And I, we got obsessed with it. And also if anyone has ever played Age of Empires with friends, 
you'll know that a game can last like three to four to five hours, especially when you play it with me. So that's why it racks up so much time <laughs> because the one game just takes like a whole indie game could happen in the space of one match in Age of Empires 2. <laughs> but I did some some second and thirds just out of interest. So my second game is Seven Days to Die, which is 137 hours. And my third game, Stardew Valley, 126 hours. So <laughs> you can add those two together and they don't equal Age of Empires 2. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> oh, I am. I am looking forward to revealing my shame <laughs> shortly, and it's not a shame actually. I'm perfectly fine with how my how my stats go. I still think sometimes when people hear how bad it is, it's still shocking. Ben, right? Let's just get to some really normal numbers here. <laughs> um, hey, so. no side eye there, Ben. <laughs> like, yeah, norm- some normal, normal numbers. Normal being very small. Um, so my first games on Steam, there's two games which I I didn't think had that much in common, but I suppose they, they kind of do, which was the first XCOM and Football Manager 2014, um, neither of which I've played for an awful amount of time. <laughs> I think XCOM I've played for 28 minutes, and I've had it since 2014, so... You loved it. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember playing it. We're very different people. Yeah. <laughs> the last game I bought, which fans of the show will be happy to hear, is Final Fantasy VII. Yay! Woo! One of the the better Final Fantasies, apparently. So what kind gonna, of you? I'm playing that. I'm playing that so far <laughs> to settle a debate. He got that apparently in. He slipped it yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I meant to say one of the best, she, not she... like one of the better ones. Yeah. Well, um, you didn't, did you? No, yeah. <laughs> I listen. I'm I'm playing it, you know, just just to settle this debate. So you're on the podcast this time for this one. So. I know. Yeah, I feel, <laughs> feel under pressure. <laughs> I'm no. I'm enjoying Final Fantasy VII, and it is actually like making me play something on my PC and on Steam. So that's good. And the size of my library is a whopping thirty-nine games. <gasps> Huge. Um, ben, I have more installed on my PC. Yeah, I honestly, I <laughs> thought it was less than that. To be honest. I looked through and there's a lot of them I haven't played. I've just picked them up when they've been on a sale. It means you're it means you're a discerning yeah. Steam user. I just I don't have a very good PC most of the time. Mm, and then there's there's games yeah. that I've bought on Steam that I've ended up just playing on like my Xbox. But I've just bought them on Steam first and then just never got around to playing them. That's fair. That's genuinely fair. Yeah. What is your most played game? Oh, so yeah, my most played game is Faster Than Light, or FTL, the hmm. um, like crew management space roguelike. That's got like 160 hours. So I played a lot of that hmm. <laughs> compared to everything else. Because <laughs> I think next in the queue was like Stardew's up there. And I've probably played Stardew least on my PC. And Civilization Six, which I, I do like to play, but it steals time from me. <laughs> so I try to avoid it when I can. <laughs> sound, I'm sorry. This sounds like a like some sort of admission of addiction that I I have to. Oh yeah, I have to start doing Civilization as well because I just get like, oh, I can start a new game. I'll get really into it, and then I just forget how long it takes to actually complete a game, and I can't step away from it because then I've just admitted I've wasted four hours. Yeah, getting halfway through. That's how I feel about OE too. Yeah, and. 
yeah, I just I get I yeah I I have to have like a good free evening to play that mm. game. Otherwise, I just I can't put it down. I'll happily admit it's massive addiction. <laughs> I got Civ Six really cheap in a Steam Steam sale. Like I'm talking about like it was less than nine pounds, including like loads of the expansions. Mm. Yeah. Um, Andy, you might remember when that sale was on. Yeah. Because either you recommended, like, you were like, yeah, you definitely should get it, or whatever. And then I slowly started hearing everybody talk about how addicting it is and how many hours you lose to it. And honestly, I've had the fear ever since. (laughs) (laughs) I've never installed it. I'm like, no, I'm scared of it now. Oh, no. (laughs) It's because it's good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anything that's ever been addicting. Yeah. That's fair. (laughs) Andy... Share your stats. Right. So my the first game I bought was in third of March twenty twelve. It was the PC port of GTA Vice City. Wow. Which is now delisted because mm. they pulled all the old games when they released the remaster because no games publisher gives a shit about games preservation. Yep. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, so greedy bastards just <laughs> it's really annoying. Anyway, yeah, pirate all your old games. That's my lesson to you all. But the the thing was, when I first got Steam and started buying games for it, I didn't have a proper PC. Again, I had like a notepad that was for like doing job applications and stuff like that. Mm. Couldn't do fuck all. Even like loading up word processor would make my the fans and stuff stress out like it was watching the Christmas episode of the Bear. (laughs) So so gaming wise, I could I could just about run an eight bit emulator. So I played a lot of Punch-Out, and that was about it. But I could get Steam running just about. So every now and then, I'd make these purchases as like a long-term investment. Let's say, <laughs> one day, I'm going to have a job and a PC, and I'll have a Steam library to use. I only ended up getting a handful of games for this during this optimistic period. <laughs> and I'm getting the Max Payne bundle, uh, Civ Five game, game of the Year edition, the Left 4 Dead series, The Walking Dead Season 1, and then The Walking Dead DLC and Papers, Please. And that was in 2013. And then I didn't buy another game on Steam until Among Us in 2020. So the last game I got... Wow. That's yeah, what we so it was a long gap because I was like, you know what, I've given up trying. I'm not <laughs> going to get a PC. I've got a PlayStation. That's about as good as I'm going to be able to mm. do. The last game I got is called No Sun to Worship. It's a retro like PS1 era style stealth game. Mm. I... I only got it like today and I barely scratched the surface on it. So I'll probably be sharing my thoughts on that in a future indie showcase when I've got to grips with it. Plug. I saw retro stealth game. Yes, having it. (laughs) That was my thing. My stats, I own 432 games and I have 301 games on my wish list. I did have 300 until right before recording this podcast. Then I added a game that Bash was talking about, and I fucked up my stats. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go back now, though, and I didn't want to buy it, so there we are. Excellent. So the most played game, like, excluding Stardew Valley, because uh, at the moment Caroline's sharing my profile, because I didn't realise you could share. Now, now I know I'm going to shove shit Caroline on her own profile. Yeah. But, so, so Stardew <laughs> like, no, Valley. get off, get off, don't ruin my stats. <laughs> yeah, Stardew Valley's like, way ahead of everything, because Caroline plays a lot of that. So my personal most played game, it just seems, it, it's kind of insane really. It's The Walking Dead Season 1 with 112.6 hours. What? I don't know how? how. I don't know. I looked at the stats and I was like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> Did like, you just leave it on? 
Yeah, you like, leave it running. I think I, because I've played it on like a bad PC, maybe the frame rates were so bad it slowed down time. <laughs> don't know how it worked. It's not the mo- it's not Did the- you think it was literally a graphic novel? <laughs> I think I just kept you trying just over like- and over, seeing if I could get all the different versions, not realising that it's basically the same game every time you play it. Because <laughs> mm. like, mm. the game, it's about 14 hours tall yeah. to complete the whole season. Yeah. It's not even the full, def- I have to be clear, season one, just season one, not the entire <laughs> series, just the first season. Oh my god. 112 hours, I don't understand, I need to go back in time and work out what happened to me. Oh. It's just very very strange. Like, I think even if you did every version of it, yeah. that's still Wouldn't, I don't feel no, like tally up to that. No. no. <laughs> wow. Anyone else has played that game for as long as you have. <laughs> <laughs> no, Telltale are probably looking at the stats going, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this really from this guy? <laughs> Play one of our other games, you dickhead. So, yeah, that's my most played game somehow. It's nice that you can still surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love I love that about our little dynamic. <laughs> yeah. So So I have a similar history with Steam to you Andy without the like the previous the early years, but what I mean is I didn't start buying games on Steam until 2020. Mm-hmm. I also didn't have a gaming PC. And in fact, when I set up my Steam account in September 2020, I think it was, I still didn't have a like I didn't have my beloved gaming PC monster that I have now that I sacrificed my car for. <laughs> I was getting a company car. I'm a company car dickhead. I didn't just I didn't just make a really terrible life decision. It was worth to it. sell my car for a PC. I'm just really pri- I'm just really privileged in my job. Of <laughs> all the early games that I got are games that were either on the basis of the same as you, Andy, where I was like convinced I would one day have a PC. Or they were things that did not need a monster PC to run. So my first game was on October 1st, 2020, and it was Among Us. (laughs) Wonder why that was. Mm. (laughs) And my second game, funnily enough, was at the end of October, October 31st, actually, 2020, and it was Stardew Valley. (laughs) (laughs) Which I went on to play with Chip, but have infamously never actually finished beyond the first two, (laughs) maybe three seasons at most, because it is just not a game for me. But, you know... When Chip and I were winding each other up, that was really fun. <laughs> and yeah, I have a bunch of other games that, like Phasmophobia, of course, a game that you will not be able to pay me to play again. <laughs> but yeah, there's that you can see literally through the history of like October through to through, all through 2021, to be fair, until I got my PC in 2022. A lot of them are like humble bundles that I got, mm. or like I say, just sort of banking on because i knew i was getting a pc in 2022 or basic 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 games uh my most recent purchases have i say purchases because there have been multiple (laughs) not including games that i got recently on fanatical were the orange box yay (laughs) on september 13th so steam's birthday steam's birthday bundle they did i got the orange box Mm -hmm. i also got toem toem oh yes toem I'm not really sure how you say it, but T-O-E-M. Weird little indie game that I've desperately wanted. And if it counts, um, September 7th, I also got Tiny Tina's Wonderlands because it is September's humble subscription game. Yes, it is. 
And I was like, I can pay £7 for that. <laughs> the problem is, is I'm now probably not going to get rid of the subscription. Because <laughs> I've seen how many great games Humble include as part of their monthly subscription. I picked up a few extras. So, yeah. And in fact, funnily enough, Orange, on September 6th, same as you, I have the the Treen Trine oh, Quadrilogy. And that's game. all your fault. On the same day. All your fault. <laughs> so, you it's know. It's not my fault. It's a pleasure. Don't follow Orange or be involved in Orange when it comes to games I, in any way, shape or form. I, I regret everything. I deliberately <laughs> messaged those games to you, Sasha, because I, I knew I, <laughs> I knew what would I happen. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so violated right now. <laughs> I have not including the games that are going to be coming across from the fanatical mystery bundle, which, you know, unless you're happy to be largely disappointed, don't do it. <laughs> I had 225 games in my library, and indeed, I have 225 games on my wish list. No, I will not be keeping them in sync, that's unreasonable. <laughs> As an aside, uh, steamdb.info do a thing where you can look up your user, and they give your account value and what it would be in today's prices, and that made me feel a lot better about some of my life choices. <laughs> Because my account value, based on the lowest prices, is £1,152. But on today's prices, it would be £2,656. So, you know, in my head, I'm like, I've saved £1,500, <laughs> not I've spent over a grand on games. Positives. 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 Yeah. And the reality is, I probably haven't because it's not an exact science. They don't actually have data on what you spent on your games. They just base it on the lowest prices of the games and today's prices of the games. That's what they're comparing, just to be clear. Mm several of the games where they have prices listed were games that I was very kindly gifted or, you know, keys for reviews and stuff like that. So it's not an exact science. Mm. That also made me feel a bit better. To be <laughs> <laughs> when I looked at that number, I was like, oh no. Uh, that's a lot. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy fourteen is my most played game Shocking. on Steam. <laughs> to the tune of 2,180 hours <laughs> at this point. The really fun thing they also do on that steamdb.info is they give you a price per hour on your gaming. <laughs> um, Final Fantasy fourteen works out as free for me. <laughs> Based on the number of hours I've put in, unfortunately, it also skews the rest of my results on that. But if we were looking for any other more reasonable game, there is like literally half an hour between my next four most played games, which I also thought was interesting. Wow. Cult of the Lamb, Among Us, Stardew Valley, and Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. So uh, they're all sat at around 25 hours. So there you go. Nothing overly surprising. It's just <laughs> it always still shocks me whenever I see how much I've actually played Final <laughs> Fantasy when I also remember that that number isn't including my PlayStation 4 hours <laughs> in which I completed the game, like all of the major patches oh at the time, and definitely goes to over a thousand hours. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I don't have a problem. It's fine. <laughs> that doesn't count idle time. But as I've said this before, whenever I do that, I'm like, does it count idle time? And then it's like, Sasha, though, do you seriously think <laughs> that half of that is idle time? I don't. <laughs> so it's still, it's still a problem. But yeah, so that is our Steam stats, a real mix there, which I like. So we've been talking a lot about Steam and about the games we got. What are the game, a game or games you got based purely on the reviews or the hype or the vibes or, you know, just Steam shoving them down your throat? I have a few of those where every time I would open Steam, the front page would be like, are you really sure you don't want to buy this game? And honestly, at some point I go, fine, (laughs) 
I'll get the game. Just stop showing me it. Anybody want to go first or am I teetering it? <laughs> These giggles suggest I'm teetering it. Yeah. Okay. Ben. So I didn't, like, just disclaimer, I didn't actually get this game, but I convinced my roommate at the time to get it and then I played it through like the family sharing thing. <laughs> so for the purposes of this question, I got this game. <laughs> I just didn't spend my money. Devious. Yeah, I know. Um, and that game Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, oh. uh, which my roommate gave up on after about half an hour. And I was like, I'll play this. And I fell in love with it. And it was frustrating. It had me tearing my hair out, but like I just loved it. And I'd seen it, like lots of people rave about it. And obviously I'd never, I think I dipped into Dark Souls, I think before that, but like I just fell in love with Sekiro. It's the first time I've like sat at my PC and played a game for days and not done anything else. I think it was during lockdown, which is why I was able to do this, funnily enough. <laughs> but yeah, Sekiro um, is that one for me. That lived up to the the hype so much. And I've gone and got it on other consoles since, but still don't own it on Steam, funnily enough. It's on my wish list. <laughs> That's impressive, to be fair. Andy, how about you? It was Hades. So I cannot emphasise how much I usually hate roguelites. I always find them just too frustrating to get into. Can't get around my, my head around the concepts that your game resets and your pro you lose your progress, all that and that stuff. Mm. I just it sounds frustrating and a waste of time. But the reviews were like just glowing. This was like a game that was had the potential to unseat The Last of Us Part Two as game of the year. So I was like, oh well th- this must be a big deal. I should probably try this. I always try to be open-minded, even with genres that I feel like I've struck out on enough to just write off entirely. I'll still give it a try. And yes, it absolutely absolutely worked on it. It's one of my favourite games. I think it helps that it had the narrative hook to help justify the roguelike tropes that don't usually make sense to me. And then there's the characters, the storytelling, the gameplay is really slick. And I just felt really relieved that this was worth my money. So I was, yeah. I'm very, I'm very happy with that one. On the flip side, the <laughs> a game that I got based on, like it was mostly Steam pushing it on me based on like my track record, I guess, and it looked like something that I'd really like. And then I looked up the reviews, and most of the reviews seemed to be very glowing. But then when I got it, I just felt let down, and that's Frostpunk. Oh. And it's, it's not because it's a bad game. It looks like, as far as I can tell, this is exactly my kind of game. It's a city builder crossed with a brutal survival sim. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how much I love making terrible choices. <laughs> it's just the issue stems from the game is so poorly optimized that it just doesn't run out of the box, so to speak. I, I, I had to fiddle like crazy just to get it to run at a remotely acceptable frame rate. And my laptop's not a slouch at all. And I've also I looked it up, and there was lots of people with like much beefier gaming rigs than mine, still struggling to get this game to run properly. It just appears that it just wasn't optimized well at all, and it's a complete roll of the dice whether it actually is going to run properly on your configuration. It ran a bit better on my Steam Deck, but I still had to do a bit of fiddling. My Steam Deck's like less powerful than my computer, but somehow I managed to get it to work just about. Hmm. I just feel like a strategy game should not be demanding more of your resources than like Cyberpunk 2077 with ray tracing on. Mm. It's just, it just <laughs> seemed insane. I really hope they can sort this out by the time Frostpunk 2 comes out because I, I haven't refunded this game. I 
possibly could, but I'm just living in hope that eventually me and Caroline are going to get that desktop PC we discussed, and it'll actually run on that thing. So I'm living in hope. It's another one of these optimistic things I'm doing. I, I will hope on your behalf as well. Thank you. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> Orange, how about you? So for me, I sometimes turn to Steam if I'm looking for a short game experience. So be it for streaming. I mean, I have two games here and both of them I found because I needed small games for streaming. One of them is a really, really cute and it was really good actually, <laughs> little platforming game called Hoa, spelled H-O-A. And I don't entirely remember how I found it on Steam, but I found it somehow. And it looked like my kind of vibe. It had a really pretty little art style to it. It kind of reminded me a bit of like a like a Pikmin meets Studio Ghibli. And yeah, it's a side-scrolling platformer. We know I love those. And I checked it out and I streamed it. And I did it in one stream. I think it only took like two hours. So it was exactly what I wanted in a short game. But it was great. I really enjoyed it. It had some real charm, some real character to it. Um, and I, yeah, I literally found it on Steam because I was looking for, I think I might, I don't know if I was burning out, maybe, or maybe I just come off the back of a larger game or a more emotional one. So I think I was like, I need an indie game to stream. I just want something small and simple, <laughs> nothing that's going to like shatter my heart. And I came across Hoa and I'm glad I did because it was great and I still remember it. I didn't even have to look up a game in my library for this question because I was just like, ooh, that was one. And now I'm hoping Sasha's writing it down. Um. <laughs> I am not, actually. <laughs> it's very good. Because I can listen back. So. <laughs> Love it. Um, the other one was another short indie game and it's called Reveal the Deep and... This one, I was looking for games for my 24-hour streams and I wanted something short to fill in a gap, but I wanted something spooky. So I went to Steam to try and find some short horror games and it gave me Reveal the Deep. And Reveal the Deep had some really good reviews on it. It was really positive, which is harder to find, I feel, on shorter games because you, they do often get plagued by people going, it's too short. So... It was like people saying it was very atmospheric, it was very spooky, and it wasn't too hard. It was really fun. So I checked it out and you play as like a diver. And so you're supposed to be in, I think it's like a sunken submarine, but it's all very tiny, very pixely. And you just traverse and do puzzles to figure out the like what's going on, why you're here. And there's lots of spooky shenanigans going on. And yeah, it was really good fun. I really enjoyed it. It gave me a few jump scares even, which I wasn't quite expecting. Um, it wasn't scary scary, but it was definitely atmospheric. I could see why people were saying that. And now to bring the tone down. A game that got thrust at me a lot. And I know it was all around me as well, not just on Steam, which I buckled under the pressure and bought. Goat Simulator. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna crap on it. Uh, I can see why people like it. It's just not for me. <laughs> I think half an hour of playing it made me realize, ah, uh, this game doesn't have a point. <laughs> it's just sandbox ragdoll goat shenanigans. And I was like, yeah, I want to play something that's got a story or a purpose to it. So I think I'm going to put this one down and I'm not going to play it anymore. Um, so it's probably less that the game itself or the reviews or anything were lying or anything like that. It was more just, 
it's not for me and perhaps Steam should be a bit less aggressive throwing it at me because it's not related to anything I would play. But I gave it a try and it, it, it only has grown in bitterness for me because of recently, before Dead Island 2 got any updates, the Goat Simulator decided to take the piss out of the Dead Island 2 trailer and tricked everyone into thinking it was going to be an update on Dead Island 2 and it wasn't. And I was really mad (laughs) because I wanted an update on Dead Island 2. Those cheeky sods. Everyone was laughing about it and seeing the funny side, but I had to look at Peachy's face and she just looked so upset. And I was just like, (laughs) I know, I know. How dare they make us think we were finally hearing about Dead Island 2. But that's out now and it's amazing. So, yay. (laughs) I suppose I could forgive Goat Simulator, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. My kid loves Goat Simulator. Like... That was one of the first big things we played together. Like, just, it, I can't get my head around it. Mm. It's, it's like it's it's nonsense. It's a chaos simulator basically, but like very, it's, the glitching is the point kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Very, I've got a very short attention span, not attention, <laughs> short patience for it. But I did like accidentally pick too many skins and create this horrible monster. <laughs> and we just spent I spent like ten minutes chasing my kid around, like. Going, <laughs> making this just god awful noise and like they were laughing their head off like the entire time just being chased around this map by me mm. so like yeah it's it's not for me but it's definitely yeah it's definitely people out there that just they love that kind of they love something without a point basically yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure it's not a bad game i know that yeah. But yeah, it's not. I my, think it's a bad. I think it's <laughs> objectively a bad game, but it's kind of bad. Game. It's, it's meant kind of to a, be the point. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it takes the piss out of a lot of other games and things. Like I saw the funny side of it, but I think the problem was my funny side lasted about twenty minutes, and then I was like, "This is <laughs> not going anywhere." So, I guess for me, I get drawn in very easily by, you know, even just the carousel on the home screen with the. Here are some cool games right now <laughs> and things we think you might like because they like to mix it up a bit, don't they? But I think the most singular targeted set of games that honestly could have been made specifically for me and me alone, <laughs> although I know that lots of other people feel the same, is the Frog Detective series. Oh, I, I bloody love that series <laughs> so much. There's three of them. They are a complete trilogy made by a super small team and they're so aesthetic in terms of their art style each one is like two hours to play if that and you just play as a little frog (laughs) who's also a detective and the the games are like your first case is oh shit what is the first case like like i'm asking you guys the haunted island (laughs) first case is the haunted island your second case is the invisible wizard and your third case is uh corruption at cowboy county and they're just they just they know what i want (laughs) in a game which is that i mean you know less than 20 hours is the ideal unless you're final fantasy (laughs) unless you're a jrpg there we go let's go with that because uh you know i also put a disgusting number of hours into persona and Mm near but yeah less than 20 hours less than 10 hours is like the real sweet spot if I can do it in like a Saturday, we're here for it. We love it. But my God, I can complete three games in less than six hours. Oh, 
they just they just they just knew what I wanted. I just like how weird it is. It is honestly, it's really hard to describe without spoiling things in the games again because they're so short anyway. But they're just these really cute narratives. I'm here for all of that wholesome, whims- whimsical <laughs> nonsense. Um, I think to go on the flip side, um, in terms of vibe, I mean, um, Dangan the Dangan Romper series was also heavily pushed in my direction. I think because you know of my love of JRPGs. Mm my love of visual novels generally um like at the point these were being advertised to me i just finished like dream daddy and the colonel sanders the i love you colonel sanders <laughs> dating simulator <laughs> and and you know kaiju and like i was kind of in that place as well and danganronpa was like how can we combine a bunch of things that you like here try it why don't you and i'm like yeah i'm here for that weirdness that is a thing that steam has opened up to me in a way that like the playstation library never did which is the truly weird games (laughs) like the ones that are just inexplicably strange i think danganronpa got advertised to me as well because i've been playing doki doki literature club oh classic a game i can't necessarily recommend but also (laughs) i've not finished it actually but i do know (gasps) what it's about and how it goes so good but yeah i do think it's very good at finding those niches that i'm very here for Mm. sometimes it has gotten them wrong though and i feel like the (laughs) one that stands out the most and i'm gonna apologize now to ben and orange specifically as i believe you've both expressed that you like this game previously inscription was a game that i was seeing everywhere and it's generally really well reviewed as well and this isn't one of those where i go i don't know why (laughs) there are games out there that i see get really good reviews and i'm just like they're fine but i don't get it (laughs) like they're not bad but you know like the proper like overwhelmingly positive like amazing reviews Mm. and i'm like it's not it's a good game but it's not like one of the best things ever (laughs) you're wrong (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) ha i will fight you i won't (laughs) everyone can like what they're like like i very much you do you but inscription is like a really good game until it's not yeah no i agree yeah it it had spooky vibes i liked that i do like anything that's like card deck building uh you know so like slay the spire i've recently got monster train to try and a few of those games so it's very much one of my niches Mm. and i do like hades and all of those roguelite type games as well so i was like this feels like it ticks a lot of very specific boxes mashing them all together and then there's all the spooky vibes Mm -hmm. as well and then like the first half of the game it's like yeah this is this is really doing it for me and then the other part of the game hits and then i'm like i don't like it anymore and it could be the neurodiversity in me you know that sprinkle of tism or whatever but I don't know. I'm not a person that can force myself to play things or engage th- like reading, watching, anything. I can't engage in things if I don't like them. Mm. I really, really respect and admire like reviewers and stuff like that who can stick with things, stick it out on things that they're like not enjoying. But I really struggle. And like, Andy, you'll remember like with God of War when I was really struggling with that. And yeah. I gave it a really good go as well. There eventually becomes a complete mental block where I just can't push past anymore. Mm. And that was very much inscription. <laughs> Where I was like, huh, well, I'm done with that now. <laughs> and I left it installed for a while before accepting. I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not playing this again. You are not alone. There's, I think I would go so far as to say that I feel like almost everyone who's ever played it, this is a big reach, would probably say that the first act of Inscription is by far the best act of the game. Yeah, that should have been the only act. It should have just carried on <laughs> like that. It really should. Like, I loved it. 
as a game, but even I will admit that the other two acts I was not as interested in as the first act. In fact, the third act is the worst act. It gets, it goes downhill. They should have flipped the order around so it went up the other way. But the f- <laughs> leave you, leave you wanting more. At yeah, the yeah, the first act is just, oh, it was amazing. I loved it so much. I was. I liked what it did, like that it did different things, but I was disappointed that it wasn't the same vibe. They completely changed the vibe a bit. If they'd have changed the style but kept the vibe, that would have been cool too. But yeah, it was. You're not alone. Definitely not alone. <laughs> okay. Okay. I feel a bit better about that actually then. I think the only other disappointment I ever got, but it wasn't a Steam thing, to be fair, so it feels unfair. (laughs) Just blame Steam for this. (laughs) Lay that at Steam in any way, shape, or form. Although on Steam, it still gets, like, very positive reviews, which means that there are people out there that apparently still really like it. It was one of the last games I streamed, actually, before I took my hiatus, Mm. but Raptor Boyfriend. We know that I love a terrible dating sim, and it was one of those that seemed, at the time, really my thing, you know, that you're a character who has potentially got like potential dates with several different sort of cryptids essentially Mm. also you're in high school and i don't know it was one of those where i was streaming it and like i think we're all just losing our minds collectively as we're like this is not how people talk (laughs) what is this what is this game also why is it so boring like it's a dating simulator like be a bit i don't know spicy or interesting (laughs) or like make it so that i actually you know care about any of these characters in any meaningful way no we're not doing that fine but people really love it and i don't like i looked after the fact to see how far i'd got through it and i actually didn't have much left to go so i was like i don't know what game they played that was different to me but again as always good on the people that enjoyed them but you know this was one that also ticked generally you would have thought my boxes as well so it's not it's just one of those things but yeah i guess if you're even in spite of reviews if you're not getting good vibes on a game sometimes maybe just go with your gut instinct on it yeah. <laughs> anyone else want to talk about any other disappointments anything like that they've not really played is there any specific reasons i have just one to throw in because i think it's quite funny i was looking at my least played games apparently i have quite a <laughs> few that it says i played for one minute the one I wanted to mention, because it's quite funny, is Octodad, Dadliest Catch. And the reason why I wanted to mention it is because I have an achievement for it. And I was like, hang on, how did I get an achievement for it when I only played it for apparently one minute? <laughs> because you get an achievement for booting up the game with a controller attached to your computer. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus round one was the first of the bash challenges to wrap this up. We have two of them. But the first one, Steam reviews are on a level of their Mm -hmm. own. I'm sure it's because, you know, if you're looking on PlayStation or I guess on Xbox, not on PC, but, you know, on, on an actual console. Consoles, it's like really hard and a lot of effort to type things. So, you know, the best you're gonna get generally is like a star rating. So I was used to that. And then I start being on Steam and <laughs> reviewers <laughs> can be extremely unhinged. This section cannot be spoken about at all in terms of favourite unhinged Steam reviews without talking very specifically about Garfield Kart. <laughs> a game that is indeed much like your Mario Karts, your your Crash Team Racing's Nickelodeon Kart. That's one, right? Like... Yes. 
Probably. We've seen them before, racing games. This one's based on Garfield. Like, I hate Mondays, lasagna-loving <laughs> Garfield. And the reviews are just on a level of their own. <laughs> my my personal favourites in there included one guy who has over 50,000 hours logged and the reviews just help. <laughs> I don't even know how you get 50,000 hours logged on a game. Never mind. Garfield Kart. Mm. Makes no sense to me. And then someone who has 0.2 hours on record, they put, I fear not the man that has played 50,000 games, but the man who has played Garfield Kart for 50,000 hours. (laughs) 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 And honestly, they are just on a world of their own. Another personal favourite was one that this game makes you feel like (laughs) Spider-Man. Like... I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's like Skyrim with lasagna. Like, is it? <laughs> I feel like this has to be one of those games where on reading the reviews, I feel like I know nothing about this game. <laughs> uh, I'm like, I assume it's just a double Mario cut, but also... like Portal to hell or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's so weird i would highly recommend you go to the garfield cart page scroll down hit read all reviews and honestly just sort by funniest or even just sort by most <laughs> helpful of all time they're brilliant they're genuinely brilliant there's another person who's got like twenty thousand hours logged and they're like it's all right isn't it <laughs> like like i have to assume they're just leaving their pc on with the game running like surely nobody is playing any game for that many hours <laughs> My other personal favourites when I was thinking about this was, this actually was all sparked by an idea when I shared with Andy and Becky once when I was looking at Fallout 4 was on sale and I always get really tempted to go back to it. That was a game I played on PlayStation back in the day when it first came out and I was like, oh, I keep getting really tempted to go back and there was a review on there for someone who got like 1400 hours on record. Great game, 10 out of 10. I'm not allowed to like the game on Steam, however, due to the divorce agreements between our lawyers and the courts. (laughs) (laughs) Not recommended. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know if that's real or not. (laughs) Like, I have to assume it's not, but also like, I love it. (laughs) And you find them dotted about throughout steam all the time and you're more likely to bump into them on like bigger or more popular games but also i refuse to believe that garfield has ever been garfield cart has ever been big or popular so you know it's not always a one size fits all is what i'm saying so opening up the floor here who's got some unhinged steam reviews for the group should we let andy go first because he's very excited about this section i imagine (laughs) <laughs> I, I found a couple for a tactical squad shooter called Ready or Not. Okay. Uh, first up, okay. there's a positive review. It just says, killed a paedophile. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the next one is it, a negative review, and this is much longer, more worrying. It reads, okay, so here we go. I, an ex-Army corporal, played this game, and I am utterly shocked at the realism of this game. It should be cleared off the internet and this software. The realism is chilling. I don't think people understand that even an in-game flashbang can destroy people. I ended up putting a bullet into my nephew and he died in my arms. Thanks a lot. Wow. (laughs) What? I sincerely hope he's still talking about the game at the end there, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Because when I went back to look this up again, the review had disappeared. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. 
So, so I, maybe it's been taken as evidence. I don't oh know. Oh, my. But I was a bit worried. There's a positive review on a similar theme. Someone said, I was given the freedom to tase a child. 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one last one. This is for a different game. This is for Trolley Problem Inc. It's a thumbs down review. And all it says is British. <laughs> fair. <laughs> That's a reason to hate anything. <laughs> so yeah, I understand. It's fair. <laughs> oh, well, I decided to look at my Steam library briefly and find some weird games in it that I thought might have some fun reviews attached. I pulled out Potato Thriller and I just found this one review because I thought it would be, for- I thought it would be funny since uh, it's relevant to Andy's interests. It was a thumbs down review that just said Hideo Kojima failed with this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I went to... Was he involved in the game? No. (laughs) No, I highly doubt it. It's like a terrible slashery type game made with assets. Maybe he did. Maybe it was a fever dream of his. I don't know. Then I went to a game called... I need reviews here. There's poop in my soup. There was a thumbs up review that said, I love pooping on the babies. <laughs> there was a thumbs down <laughs> review that said for, well, they bleeped out the swear on Steam. So it's for heart, heart, heart's sake, Ben. Stop gifting me these games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ben. And then there was a thumbs up <laughs> review that said, I don't have any friends now. 10 out of 10. <laughs> and I really want to hope that that was Ben. <laughs> and then I. There's no way tonight, can't it, Ben? <laughs> I went to one more place because I I knew what I would find. I decided to check out the uh, reviews on VR Chat because they're amazing. So there was one that said Kermit the Frog told me to jump off a cliff. That was it. <laughs> Another one said, a Pikachu gave me a 30-minute rant about how he was drunk as heart, 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 and gave me some life advice. <laughs> I really like this. I really like this one. I can be a car and make noises and have it be considered a normal occurrence. Because <laughs> that's a life goal of this person. See, that, that's selling me. <laughs> and then, like one of Sasha's earlier, there's one that just says, it's all right. And that's by someone who had put in 15,850 hours. <laughs> I feel like that's a really common troll. I know, it's good though. It is funny. It's, it's, it is really good. <laughs> if I put in that many hours, I would leave a review with that. <laughs> Not bad, is it? <laughs> um, I was looking at the Monster Prom reviews and I like how there's just a lot of people who are just like, I'm gay. <laughs> I have to play Monster Prom. And then one person is just, I'm so, I'm so horny and sad. <laughs> and that's. Oh, I laughed out yeah. loud. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a very open admission from someone there. That was my review, actually. <laughs> yeah. You haven't even played it yet. <laughs> this is your yeah. pre-review. <laughs> it's in every yeah. game you review Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm horny and sad. <laughs> Excellent. Those are all really good. I can't find it anymore. But I also did find one once that was like, this game ruined my life, 10 out of 10. <laughs> that comes up a lot. Yeah. Just one other that I thought was an interesting one. So you see a lot of trolling reviews on, you know, popular games down to sort of, you know, ones that are clearly just a meme at this point. Mm. 
what I really enjoyed was there was a game that came out like super recently on early access called Dead Matter. As I understand it, it was a Kickstarter game that has taken six or seven years to come out. Mm. So people are like really angry about it. In fact, it is the first game ever that I have seen that has a very negative average review. Mm. Like I've never seen one that bad. I've seen mixed, but very negative feels like it's so close to overwhelmingly negative if that's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. But there was one positive review in that, but it's a trolling review <laughs> of a positive. And I also really liked that. <laughs> it was like, best game I've ever played and it's only in early access. There are over 164 elderly zombies with spinal injuries off screen at once. The lack of melee audio really adds to the immersion and makes the player use their imagination. <laughs> Falling through the map is a brand new mechanic and role playing as a schizophrenic is awesome as the cars fly when you tried to drive them <laughs> seven years and support many well spent <laughs> oh wow and it's a thumbs up but like people are people are so angry about this game just as an aside which you know crowdfunding is always a risk but also you just hope that the crowdfunders don't take the mm. piss some of my favorite games have been crowdfunded games that i backed beacon pines being one of them mm. so you know please don't take me bringing up a bad story as that you know crowdfunded games no bad. it's a small number Smule. Yeah. Smule number. <laughs> not even one of the popular ones that either. Popular by I mean like spoken about a lot. Like I'd literally not even heard of it until it weirdly came up in my discovery queue <laughs> of all things. And I was like, why are you bringing something very negative into my discovery queue? Is that a thing I can turn off? <laughs> like, I don't want things that are bad. Come on. I'm a bit more discerning. And on to the bonus bonus round. Final bash challenge was find the most unhinged game on Steam. We didn't have to be a game you owned. My only rule was no, none of the like the literal porn games. Because honestly, to be fair, there is there are like if that's if that's the approach you take, you're just gonna find things super easy because there's some weird fucking yes. shit on this platform. <laughs> but we're all grown ups, just using our understanding of weird and wonderful. What is the most unhinged game that you found? And I guess if you own it, there's a you know. I will give you a prize for having owned and played it, but I don't know what that would be, so don't hold me to it. But <laughs> yeah, I will be judging this one. So Becky suggested Granny Simulator. <laughs> it's a two-player game. There is a feeble grandmother and her grandson, and the grandmother's objective is to complete her everyday routine, and the grandson's objective is to utilise uncanny violence and pure brutality <laughs> to stop her. <laughs> Becky, excellent suggestion. Someone's review amongst the reviews. This is another one that has ex excellent ones. Someone's review is I fucking kicked a baby 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> another one is recommended Why does my grandma have mustard gas in her basement? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man. Excellent, Orange. So can I only pick one to submit? I mean, if you have more than one, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I never come with one. Come on. <laughs> so I have I have two picks for this, and I own both of these games. I'm not ashamed. So the first one, I, I bought this as a joke, but it was on my wish list for a while, and it, I was like, screw it, I'm getting it. It's called Tomato Jones, and it has a sequel. I want to point out, that came out relatively recently. Uh, so I, I pulled off the description from Steam for you. It is just a red tomato with a stupid hat. 
He tries to look like a cool Tomb Raider, rolling and jumping all over the maps. Help him find all the treasures in the Mystic Castle, or watch him die. In many painful ways. And it's literally that. You are a tomato in a silly hat, and you platform, and it's Indiana Jones themed. (laughs) Even the logo of Tomato Jones is the Indiana Jones text, but it says Tomato Jones. And I just thought it was ridiculous and silly, and I wanted to own it because it's got platforming in it and (laughs) wanted to see what it would be like and yeah it has a second one so I don't own the second one but I probably will buy the second one at some point maybe they're only like a quid or something when they go on sale so I didn't break the bank don't worry the other one is that I didn't even remember that I had this in my wish not wish list in my library I don't even remember that I had this game until I was scrolling through looking what weird games I actually owned myself And I was like, why did I buy this? Clearly some younger version of me had a giggle and decided this will be funny. So it's a game called Safety First with an exclamation point. And it is a twin stick physics puzzler in which you have to fix broken electrical wires using your magical yellow repair liquid. Can you beat 69 levels? (laughs) And it is like a stick man and... Yes, your magical yellow repair liquid is your pee. You pee on electric wires to fix them. Does that not work? (laughs) (laughs) I just like the fact that they also did 69 levels. I was like, this developer knew exactly where they were going with this. (laughs) Andy, how about yours? So my game, this is the actual title, just to be clear. I'm not having a stroke or anything like that when I say this. It is called... A game that saves the muscles caught in the ceiling of the gymnasium. Don't. So, so that again. It's called A Game That Saves the Muscles Caught in the Ceiling of the Gymnasium. It's what? it's a Chinese game, as far as I can tell. It's like a first-person shooter. You're in a gymnasium, surprisingly, and there's lots of these muscular men in bicycle shorts who are trapped in the rafters of the ceiling. And you have to throw balls at them to knock them loose. It's kind of like ragdoll physics. Knock them loose. When they fall to the ground, they do a backflip and then some disembodied voice yells justice. <laughs> and that's basically the entire game. You're just, you're just throwing balls at these muscular men that are trapped in the ceiling of a gymnasium for some reason <laughs> until they fall to the floor and do a somersault. <laughs> and the most helpful review for this game on Steam is just I have sex with men. <laughs> <laughs> and I own this game and I played it. Today, in fact. (laughs) Of course. Andy, I feel like there's a solid at least 20% of your library. (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't say no to a weird or terrible looking game. Like, there's a masochist streak in me that just... Yeah, this looks fucking stupid. I'm taking it. It works surprisingly well on Steam Deck as well, which I was surprised by. I God. thought it'd be an absolute nightmare. Of course you would test that. I tested that. it on Steam Deck as well, just to be sure. So I can play it on the toilet. <laughs> well, my game, I wasn't sure what to bring. I've found plenty of weird games in my time. And honestly, I've, I've mentioned plenty of weird games on this podcast, much like Andy. Um, <laughs> when I set this, I was quite excited. And then I sort of semi-forgot to even look. And then my discovery queue uh, brought me the perfect game for this suggestion. Only in so much as if nothing else, like, why does it think, what what based 
in my entire library makes them think this fits with my my vibe but I appreciate them going for it anyway so mine is 77p egg <laughs> like 77 pence 77p egg colon egg wife egg wife <laughs> <laughs> It is self-described as a crude, gory, toilet-humour-driven first-person shooter inspired by the likes of Postal 2, Duke Nukem, and Goat Simulator, and a general tone of good enough during development. (laughs) It's set in Sheffy, England, and you play as a 77-pence egg who is mourning the loss of its wife (laughs) and finds itself on an epic adventure when it takes a trip to the supermarket to find a new life partner. And it gets a little bit weird. (laughs) There are angry hordes of sentient sewage, such as gelatinous blobs of urine, mechanised napalm poo tanks, four foot long tampon helicopters laced with nails, and there's also a milk worshipping cult for fun. It's got ten levels, um, or ten story levels, and and there's again, self-described, a handful of not very good bonus levels. (laughs) You can blast your enemy with an arsenal of UK legal weaponry, such as the applicator, which is a long-range tampon applicator. (laughs) Poop jumping is one of the things in there. Pee on command to put out fires. It's just... It just sounds utterly stupid. (laughs) Did you buy it? No, I did not. No. <laughs> Just for the record, my wish list is now 302. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, has needless amounts of interactivity and details in part of the game that don't really matter. Again, this is the description of the game, <laughs> <laughs> including things like sticking a fork in a plug socket, flushing toilets, talking to pedestrians as an egg, ride shopping carts, and take a poop the size of a bus. And amongst the things they suggest amongst their replayability is to try a pacifist run where you don't kill anything. Try a pass-a-fist run where you kill everything. (laughs) And for a unique and really annoying challenge, attempt a vegan run. (laughs) It's one of those that just... The whole point is apparently you have to help a 77 pence egg find love again. (laughs) It just, like, graphically... It looks shit. (laughs) And it came out today, actually. So this is what I was talking about when, like, Steam is just the Steam is just the wild west of gaming. It is. It's not right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, seventy-seven p egg egg wife. Honestly, I've loved every suggestion, but I think the thing that made me laugh the most, because in spite of the fact that it was posted earlier, I didn't look at it until now, was Granny Simulator. <laughs> So there you go. That is that is our Steam Hap Both Steam Happy Birthday to Steam episode. I hope you've had fun. I've certainly <laughs> had fun pulling this one together. It's a different format to how we usually do things, and I think it's been really nice just to look more broadly at a platform at a way that we get games, and especially one that is, I think, the biggest indie library out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not always usually. the best, <laughs> but. By default, generally the best. Whether you're a developer that thinks of Steam as uh, a benevolent dictator is apparently how it's sort of known amongst developer communities. <laughs> a lot of them say you kind of have no choice but to put your games on Steam if you want them to be successful. But Valve and Steam themselves are actually not that bad. Which I guess is kind of nice in some ways, really, the way a lot of the game industry is going at the moment to hear even now that people don't, you know, they don't hate Steam or Valve. Whether you've got experience of it or not, 
hopefully hopefully you will consider picking it up and having a look through the library because honestly you can spend hours just reading reviews of things it's really funny mm. much of the time i have been bash i'm bash at demon head on things who knows what things these days i barely do <laughs> andy i am truly underscore defective on whatever the fuck elon musk's calling it unless <laughs> he's already started charging people to tweet or X, or whatever the fuck they call it. I don't know. He's a dickhead. I'm on that still. <laughs> I'm also on Blue Sky, but that's truly defective, just one word. I will probably end up using that very soon. Orange, you? I mostly will be found on Twitch, streaming under Orange and Peachy. I don't really use X <laughs> anymore, or ever. I am on it, though. But I also have a Blue Sky, which is Orange Lightning, and the Blue Sky gubbins that comes after that. And Ben. And I'm at Duke of Benningham on all the social things. Oh, you sound like me. <laughs> if you if you want to find me, I can be found. <laughs> we have been the one up podcast. Uh, when you, no, yeah, that was right. Yeah, one one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I don't normally like it. I don't know when I start doing it. I never used to do it. <laughs> I used to. Does nobody I... like it. <laughs> Chip didn't like it either. Like we all do it. <laughs> We're locked in now. It's a thing. <sighs> okay. We've been the one at podcast. You can find us on all of your podcasting platforms of choice. Give us a follow and maybe even a review if you liked listening to us. And if you didn't, don't. <laughs> um. <laughs> Those are your options. We're very sensitive. Please. Yeah. No, <laughs> please no more nice. one star reviews, please. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know we had them. We have, we have one on Apple. And I'm still pissed off about it. This was- <laughs> Ages ago it happened and I'm still not over it. Oh, right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very sensitive and I'm actually really nice. So, <laughs> like when you're being mean to the podcast, you're being mean to me. <gasps> and <laughs> Yeah, we are one UPP odds on social things. Again, to be fair, I don't even know where we are half the time. I'm such a either. good podcaster. <laughs> Thank you, Andy and Becky for all you do (laughs) keeping all of that stuff running i've forgotten how we end the podcast i was gonna say have a time and play a game and i don't feel like that's what we say (laughs) that's not quite it get a life play video games oh thank you yes get a life and play video games